The Mac Observer's Mac Geek App, episode 895 for Monday, October 18th, 2021. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in your tips, your questions, your cool stuff found. We mash them all together. We string them into an agenda. We loosely follow the agenda with tangential outbreaks from time to time because, you know, that keeps it interesting and fun and, and keeps us on track by being off track. But the goal is when we're on track, when we're off track all of the time, the goal is that we each every week we get together that we each each and every one of us, me, John, you, all of us. We each learn at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode are three new sponsors for us. Gabby.com slash MGG, where you can, oh, they've got this great little engine that will find you auto insurance without you having to do any of the work, which is awesome. We'll talk about that in a, in a minute. Uh, Superbeats.com slash MGG, a delicious and healthy way to start your day. And I mean that, like I've tried these things, but we'll talk more about it. And then uh, custom shades from HunterDouglas.com slash MGG, where they're having a great season of style sale. Uh, and there's, these are shades you can control with your iPhone. Yeah, it's cool stuff. All right. So, uh, we will talk more about that in a minute, but for now here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. How are we today, Mr. John F. Braun? Uh, above average. Ah, stellar. I like that. We have been getting above average response to our survey at MacGeekab.com slash survey. So thank you all for filling it out. We are starting preliminary results are in. And one thing is clear, and that is y'all want merch. So we will be making merch happen. We will have merch ahead. Well, ahead of the Christmas season, ahead of, uh, you know, ahead of the holiday season. You will be able to get MacGeekab merch, assuming suppliers can can deliver but we're gonna make it happen john right mm -hmm. okay they want merch yeah so, i got my eye on somebody so. okay all right well we'll we'll we want to we want to yeah we've got some ideas it's, it's good it'll happen it's gonna happen all right you know what else is gonna happen we're gonna talk about some quick tips because that you know makes life fun and i need to get to where i need to be in order to share quick tips with you but the first one is from pensacola craig I love I'm often like all of us frustrated when Apple rolls out some new feature in, you know, iOS or macOS doesn't matter. And it's like, oh, I wish I could do more with this. Right. And then over time, they often deliver the more. Right. And that has happened in iOS 15. I didn't even realize it. Uh Pensacola Craig says, uh, full transparency. This tip partially comes from a listener of Allison's Nozilla cast. All right, great. Cool. Uh, we, we're all one community. So yeah, absolutely. It's great. He says, um, one big pain for me has always been when setting text to a larger size via settings. Wouldn't it be awesome for some apps to support dynamic text sizing, but awful for others. Like I want it in messages, but I don't want it in Safari he says, well, the good news is, iOS 15 now lets you set up some attributes. Text is one on a per app basis. One way to do this, and I think this was the one that was shared uh, over in NoZillaCast, is uh, go to settings, accessibility, and under the general section, you will find per app settings. And you can add apps there to make customizations for those that are not already on the list. 
He says, but that's the hard way. And here's the tip that I will add beyond what has already been shared. He says the easy way specifically for text size is to add text size to control center. Once you've done that, you can swipe into control center while in an app and then control the text size for that specific app. Uh, He says the view is similar to iOS 14 with one additional control. You can set it for just the app you're in or for all apps. That's the easy way when using iOS 15. I like this. Yeah. Okay. So I'm definitely adding, uh, adding that to iOS 15's control center on my phone. Yeah, I could, because you're right. There are some apps where I would like it to be bigger and other apps where it's like, please no. And so you sort of had to, you know, make Sophie's choice, right? And, and, and pick one or the other. Now we don't have to. It's beautiful. I love it. Thanks, Pensacola Craig. Good stuff. You know where Pensacola Craig sent that, John? Um, feedback at MacGeekGab.com? That's right. Pensacola Craig sent that to feedback at MacGeekGab.com. That's a beautiful thing. You can send to feedback at MacGeekGab.com, too. Just like Todd did, right, John? Exactly. And what did Todd send us? Well, here we go. Um, I remember a long ways back that a listener asked about a way to import photos into the Photos app on the Mac and keeping the Finder folder structure in Photos albums slash folders. Back to Gary Rosenweig. Rosenzweig. Rosenzweig? Yeah, at MacMost. We just talked about him a couple episodes ago. Yeah, he does great work over okay. there. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we'll link to it. Yes. Um, uh, in the show notes, uh, there, there's a video that shows you the surprisingly robust photos import feature. So nice. That's great. So, yeah, I guess it just got it. It now is part of the photos app to be able to do that. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Thank you, Todd. I love these quick tips. It's great. This is this is where we learn. Like, this is how we get to learn our five new things. Uh, mm-hmm. Listener Bill was having a problem, and in it, he stumbled onto a quick tip. He said, I had an old iPhone 5 go a bit haywire. Uh, it was on its charger, but only at 1%. I plugged it into a different charger, uh, and that helped. But then iTunes would no longer sync. It kept hanging at the final step. Uh, he says... Uh, I progressively ended up going as far as a factory reset reset with no restore, but my iMac still treated it as the same iPhone with the same sync issues. How did I fix it? I ended up syncing it to another computer. Somehow that forced the iMac to treat it as a new slash different phone and syncing finally worked again. So that's really interesting that even after a factory reset, the Mac knew that it was something it should try to like, I'm trying to figure out where the data is stored that would cause that would allow another computer to reset it. I mean, if you factory reset the iPhone, theoretically that would have wiped out anything on the phone. So is there something in like your iCloud account that, ties a computer to a phone or is a factory reset not quite a factory reset like these these are the things that inquiring minds want to know i like the solution though like that should not be overlooked because that's great excellent good stuff bill thank you i don't know what do you think about that john 
Um, I don't know. I've, I've never really had syncing problems with my phone. So. Sure. Well, you probably do you sync your phone directly. Like I don't, it's rare that I sync my phone directly to my computer, you know, via like cable or even Wi-Fi. I just sync with iCloud and, and it, that's where my syncing happens. I have iCloud backups scheduled. Um, and then also iMazing. Oh, okay. To back up my uh, iDevices. Got it. Got it. And what about like when you want to put music on your phone, you don't use Apple Music. So do you, you have to sync that manually or not manually, but, but locally you have to sync that to your phone. Correct? Uh, yeah, but I don't really have much music on my, uh, got on it. my phone. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate it. It's good stuff. Hey, um, moving into the the cool stuff found segment here, I found yet another third party app that is doing being used for uh, vaccine and or test, uh, you know, COVID test tracking status. Uh, it, we talked about what did we talk about? Clear on a recent episode. We talked about that that way of putting your vax card in your wallet. Um, it looks like, what did you say, John, that CES is going to use the clear app to do it, right? I think you correct. You said, yeah. So yeah. the clear app has venues, um, right. Including CES, Got but it. also like, you know, sports events and, and all sorts of stuff in there. So the clear apps um, being used. And then I found another one called bindle at, uh, joinbindle.com. There's no reason to join it unless you know, you're going to an event that, the venue or the, the event in some way uses it, but there's two theaters at least near us here. And we went to one the other night uh, to see my a friend of mine plays in this tribute band called foreigners journey. And uh, we went to, went to see that the other night. And the, the venue was like, you can bring your proof, you know, you can even bring a picture of your proof on the phone, but it's way faster if you do it all in the bindle app. And then all you have to do is show us the, you know, the, the uh, screen of your phone and it'll, it, you know, it shows like a green check and, there's like moving things kind of like, you know, so that you're not just taking a screenshot or whatever. It's a real time kind of thing. But um, but yeah, so there's yet another one. I'm curious, as I said, when we first talked about this, you know, which of these third party ways are going to be uh, used and which are not. So it'll be, it's, it'll be interesting. It's fascinating. Anyway, so I just figured I'd throw that out there that I'm actually seeing it in the wild that an app is being used. So. Uh, cause uh, thus far up until now, any concerts or anything I've gone to, it's just been, you know, bring your card, bring a copy of your card or show us a picture on your phone of, of your card. Like th th that was the first time that I've actually seen a venue say we accept the app, you know, and even in this case, prefer it cause it's more efficient. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So I have yet to, I have yet. I have not yet had to present my uh, proof to uh, get in somewhere. I, th I think that theater down the street from you, a friend of mine played there. The, the Was it called the one theater or something? The one we walk by all the time by the train station in Fairfield. Oh, Fairfield Theater Company. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I think that one, at least for some events, requires mm -hmm. uh, vaccination because uh, a friend of mine played there recently. And I remember seeing that, that they they required that. So. They have a lot of good events there, man. I'm I'm surprised you're not there more often. Uh, 
All right. Andrew has a cool stuff found for us, John, and it is for um, for users of Synology. He found this app called DS Manager Pro, which is a third party app for using and and managing your Synology disk stations. Uh, so it seems to do quite a bit more. It's got a Mac app. Uh, which is cool. Uh, and of course, iPhone and iPad apps as well. But you can sort of see what's going on and you can even do some controlling of like logging certain users out and, and changing some settings and things like that. Yeah, it is free with in-app purchases. And I think the in-app purchase is like 10 bucks to unlock everything. I had it up before and now it's gone. So, but yeah, I think that's, that's about where it, where it falls. So yeah, DS manager pro. And so obviously we'll put a link to it in the show notes and you can, um, you can, uh, you can go download it for yourself and check it out because you know, freemium. We love it. Thank you, Andrew. Cool. Uh, do you have any, any cool stuff? I've got a bunch of cool stuff found to, to go through here. Do you have anything to add to the list yet uh, for this week, John? No. Okay. Uh, the next one comes from my friend, Billy, who, once wanted and found a way to store his music library in the cloud. So similar to what Apple music subscribers can do with iCloud music library, but he is not an Apple music subscriber. Uh, and Google changed the way they were doing things, which is where he stored it in the past. Now it's all moved to YouTube and uh, the, the cost structure wasn't uh, attractive to him because he's just got tons and tons of his own music that he's ripped. And he found this thing, John, called iBroadcast at uh, iBroadcast.com. You can, if you go to project.ibroadcast.com, that's the link I'll put in the show notes that kind of explains a little bit of it. But it is, uh, it is your music library. You upload it, right? So it's not like, it's not a streaming service in the sense that, you know, they have all the songs and, and you just, you know, pay the, to do it. In fact, you don't have to pay them anything. You upload all your stuff. If you use the free account, you get uh, there, they will stream or download and they do have iOS clients and they've got a Mac client for uploading and all of that good stuff and a Windows client and a Linux client. And the free version gets you streaming and downloading at 128K and then the premium version increases that substantially. And I think it's four bucks a month, three ninety nine a month for that. Uh, it's a relatively new service. It's growing. They're privately funded currently. Uh, so, but it, it's a pretty cool, like great little thing to find. Of course, the other alternative, if one other alternative, not the, is if you have a Synology disk station, you can put it all there and then use audio station or even Plex or uh, to play your music uh, you know, on your devices when you're, when you're not around. So if you've already got a Synology disk station, that's the way I would do it. Uh, in fact, that is the way I do it. But if you want to put it in the cloud, then project I broadcast is a great option. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good find. I like it. Pretty cool. Had you ever heard of that before, John? Negative. Yeah. Same. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, uh, a, a family member is heading to Italy for about six weeks. And so we needed to figure out what to do about cell service uh, for that, you know, six week time frame this winter. And I, I, I pulled the Twitter hive mind 
and was turned on to uh, a website called esimdb.com where you go and type in the, you know, the, the country name and it will tell you all kinds of eSIM providers for data and you can sort by, uh, you know, how many days you need it or the price per gigabyte. I, I find that sorting by price per gigabyte is the best way to start this and then kind of filter it down to, okay, well, you know, they're going to need 30 days, 30 days isn't quite enough, but maybe that's the right plan. You do that twice or whatever. And you know, that there's services I never knew of because I don't live in Italy. Like I knew of true phone and true phone may well be the right answer. Uh, but there's also Airalo, A-I-R-A-L-O and Ubiji and orange. Uh, so, and, and probably others, if I scroll down the list and start letting it get more expensive, like Mogo eSIM and things like that. So, uh, great little resource for, for this. And of course, eSIMs make this way easier than it used to be because you don't have to like go and get a local SIM. The moment you step off the plane, you just do it with an eSIM and you download the app in advance when you have control over things. And so, uh, but it's an interesting thing. I, you know, we've been talking about whether or not data, a data only SIM is enough. Um, they're on mint mobile, which has roaming in Italy, but you, you, you pay for it and it's, it's fairly expensive. That's sort of one of the, the trade-offs of, of mint is you save we're like, as a family, we're saving literally like, I don't know if it's thousands a year, but it's probably, it's well over a thousand dollars a year. It's probably close to 1500 for four of us. And, uh, but you know, they don't have just built in baked in roaming like a, you know, like a T-Mobile does where you can, you know, roam for in a hundred different countries without doing anything different. But of course you're, you know, you're paying triple uh, every month for that luxury. And if you need that luxury, then perfect. It's great. But for the, you know, one month you need it, it doesn't make sense to, to buy it all the time. So, uh, you know, so the, the question is, is data only going to be enough? And I think the answer is yes. With all of, I mean, certainly iMessage is fine because that's just using data, uh, you know, and then there's if you and then there's FaceTime, of course, for us Apple users. But there's also WhatsApp and, you know, Zoom and Skype and, uh, you know, lots of other data based services, not database services, data based services uh, that can that can get you there. You know, so and then and then maybe load up 20 bucks on there for the you know quarter a minute phone call that you might have to make occasionally here and there and you're covered. So. In that way, it's way easier than having to get a local SIM with a local number and all of that good stuff. So, so anyway, that's um, I, I thought eSIMDB was a great place to start, but it seems like TruePhone is probably well. I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out. I'll, I'll keep you posted as things progress. So, I'd never yeah. heard of eSIMDB before. So I actually had to uh, solve a uh, Skype issue for a family member. Okay. Um, Mr. Braun, well, here's, here's the playing tip. left field. No, go ahead. Yep. Uh, here's the tip. So, um, uh, my mom wanted to, uh, uh, has been using Skype, um, to, to talk to relatives over in Germany cause it's free. Yay. Um, but she tried recently 
And she was able to hear and see the other person, but the person on the other end could see, but couldn't hear okay. my mom. And sure. it's like, okay, what's up? Um, here's what I eventually figured out. So first off, um, I'm like, okay, well, uh, update your, your version of Skype. I think she had an old one. Sure. Um, here was the problem. Um, until she upgraded to the latest version of Skype on the Mac, um, all of a sudden it said, oh yeah, by the way, I want permission to, um, access the microphone. Apparently the older version of Skype didn't know about this. Makes sense. Yeah. But the newer version did. So that was the way to solve the problem. Yeah. Zoom is um, you know, Zoom's been adding features left and right. Mm-hmm. And I, I find Zoom way better than Skype. I recommend to your mom mm-hmm. and anybody that's doing like that kind of thing. Try out Zoom. You get 40 minute, you know, for the free account, you get 40 minute calls um, for free. And sometimes it'll even extend those for you. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, Zoom, I think as of November 1st, is enforcing a an update schedule where you have to be using a version of zoom that is no more than nine months old. And mm-hmm. it it's because of, you know, certainly things like this, that sounds like there was an API that, that you Skype chose not to use in the past. And then obviously did who knows how old her mm-hmm. version of Skype was. Right. But, um, but with zoom, you know, they're, they're adding features left and right. And if all the clients are incompatible, the, those features get a little bit, you know, sideways so um it maybe it would be good for skype to do that i think it's a great idea though for you to enforce that policy upon yourselves um and i use i'm a big fan as you all know of mac updater it's the only it's the the main way i find out about updates for apps on my mac including mac app store apps because the app store doesn't always show me when an app needs an update and this is true on hmm. all four of the Macs that I manage here in the house. Uh, it is it is routine at least once, maybe even twice a week. There will be an update to a Mac App Store app that if I go to the updates, you know, little whatever section tab, whatever you want to call it in Mac App Store, it's not there. It'll say you have no yeah. updates. And then I click from Mac Updater and it brings me to the, you know, the page in the Mac App Store for that app. And there's the little update icon. Yep. When were you going to tell me about this? So Mac updater is, is a great thing. And I think it's like 10 bucks or something. Uh, so highly recommended. I'm a, I'm a big, big fan. Cause it just, it's, you know, it, 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 it checks everything. It's great. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. But yeah, keep your, uh, keep your video conferencing or your video chat apps up to date for sure. For lots of reasons, probably security too. Mm-hmm. I would imagine. All right. Um, I went to Pepcom yesterday, John, uh, we record this on Fridays, as you know, or as I think you folks know, live.macgeekup.com is where you can go and, uh, join us when we're recording and you can go to macgeekup.com slash calendar to subscribe to our calendar that we use for when we have recordings scheduled. So you can know that it's time to join us. You could also get the Mac Geek Cab app. Uh, because that will get, you get a push notification when we are recording live. So, you know, there's lots of different ways. Uh, but at Pepcom yesterday, I saw 
Actually, I saw many things, but there's two I want to talk about. One is from the folks at Ampere dot. Uh, I think it's Ampere dot shop, A M P E R E dot shop, and they've made all kinds of great, cool things over the to- over time. But uh, what they've got now is uh, a a new product line that they are calling Dusk, and there are two products in the line: Dusk and Dusk Light. And these are smart sunglasses, or as they call them, app enabled electrochromic smart sunglasses. They do a couple of things. The the dusk and dusk light. So uh, it's two ninety five for the dusk, and I think one ninety five for the dusk light. These are non prescription sunglasses. So far, they they may of course add the option for prescriptions. But the the thing that they both do is uh, you can control the amount of tint of the sunglasses with a slider in your app. You can also set presets so that you can just tap it on the side. They kind of look like wayfarers. These glasses, they don't look overly bulky or like, you know, clunky or anything like that. They just look like pretty normal, you know, sunglasses. And if you don't know what wayfarers are, uh, that's what Tom Cruise wore in risky business. And if you don't know risky business, then ask your parents. Mm. Uh, And, and the, the, that's all basically all the dusk light does. The, the, non-light the dusk also has um sound capabilities with speakers and a microphone so you can use them for calls and but you can also use them for um you know listening to music or podcasts or whatever and of course it's just sound coming out of the frame of the glasses so you don't have anything you know sealing off your ears and blocking you from the surroundings which could be a good thing of course rewind back to last week People like Mr. John F. Braun and pretty much any other human with ears uh, will be able to hear your music if you are using these glasses because it's not directed into your ears. It's just directed into the air around them. So bear that in mind. But yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I like those those folks. They, um, they you know, they're always doing interesting things over there at Ampere. So, yeah, it's good. Thoughts on that, John? Did you check that out yesterday or not? Was that one you skipped over? Uh, I skipped that. Yeah, that's good. That's what I love about, you know, there were what, at least three of us from the Mac Observer team there at Pepcom, you, me and Jeff Butts. And I think hey, there may have been others. I just didn't run into I didn't run into you in any of the, the Zooms, but I ran into Jeff and a couple of them. Hmm. But, um, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, it's a four hour event or something. But, uh, the second thing that I found there rewinds us back a little over a year so when I mentioned this company called Thermocell that has these really effective mosquito repeller units, the ones that I was talking about last year, these little uh, butane powered units, and you put like a little, a little pad in them that, that uh, the butane sort of heats up and then it, it effervesces this. It's something that's based upon like chrysanthemum oil or I don't know something, but it keeps the mosquitoes away. Like it really works. Uh, they now have the Thermocell Live L I V, uh, which is a permanent. I mean, you can move it around and you can install it yourself, but it is meant to be permanently placed in your yard uh, or you know around your patio or on your deck or whatever. And it's a system that is Wi Fi controllable. That does the same thing. It uses a slightly different method of, of repelling mosquitoes. It's still a, you put a, a, a cartridge in there and it, um, the cartridges are like 49 bucks a piece and they last for like a hundred hours, but uh similar kind of, you know, I mean, a, same effective thing at these, um, but they connect to each other and to Wi-Fi so that you can control with schedules and things like that. 
They expect to have them shipping uh, in February, so ahead of the summer season, at least here in the United States. So, and it, it's meant to be outside all the time. They're from, uh, they they say Boston, but really they're from Bedford, Mass. I think is uh, is where they are. So, if they say it works all year round outside there, I mean, you wouldn't be using it in the winter, but you can leave it out in the winter. Is the point, and uh, and it it survives and works fine the next spring and summer and fall. Uh, if it works there, then it'll work pretty much anywhere. So it's pretty cool. I was stoked to see that we might be tweaking things in our yard here and have a, a use for that. So excited. I don't know. Pretty good stuff, huh? I don't know. Indeed. Any, any thoughts on any of that, Mr. Braun? Uh, no, I, well, I saw a couple of things. Okay. Here, here, here are things that caught my attention. Sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so the first is from Verizon. It's yep. the Verizon Stream TV. Okay. Okay. And, and so what's it's that? A, it's a, it's your, it's a, a media streaming box. Oh, okay. So like an Apple TV or a Roku box or a Fire Stick or something like that. Exactly. Got it. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, I saw that. It looks like it's, it's based on the Android TV platform, kind of like the TiVo stream. Uh, right in the in the specs here, yeah. So stream your favorite shows and movies with Android TV, Chromecast go. built in, 4K UHD, uh, voice remote with Google Assistant. So, um, yep, that's cool. Okay, so and they're they're throwing their hat in the ring. Yeah, they're throwing their hat in the ring, and it's uh, 4K Ultra HD, right? And mm-hmm. what's the price on it? I, I it's like seventy bucks. Okay, all right. Uh, actually it says when I went to their website, it says 60 bucks, but it says it was 70 and my pricing reflects a 14% savings, which ah. I have no idea why I'm not a Verizon customer and I'm not logged in. So, but yeah, well, that's cool. All right, cool. Uh, and then here, let me link to this, uh, kitty was showing a, um, uh, combo network networkable carbon monoxide and smoke alarm. So that's kind of neat. Ah. I have their older unit and it, it doesn't really network, but apparently the one that they just announced does. So interesting. All right. That's cool. Like, like when you say network, there's, there's two types of networks that, that could happen with smoke alarms. One is mm-hmm. the network in your house of, of electrical cable that, I think building code requires, at least nowadays, requires them to all be synced together so that if one starts going off, all the rest of them know to go off. Um, when you when they say networked in this regard, is it that type of network only or is it like Wi-Fi, like a like yes. a nest protect or something? OK, yeah, cool. Both. Yeah. And yeah, both. Right. Right. So I know what you're talking about. Yeah. My my um, it's weird because in my house, my upstairs smoke alarms are networked in that when one goes off, they'll all go off. Yep. Uh, but not the downstairs. I, I have a guess as to why. <laughs> well, when your house was built, uh, similar to when my house was built, I guarantee you, you know, there was no, I mean, my house is 50 years old and your house is, I think, dub, almost double that, right? Um, but the the building code did not require smoke detectors to be networked. However, if you do any 
uh, renovations, then you have to apply for a building permit and then get a certificate of occupancy. And those things require you to be up to snuff. So my guess is that the upstairs of your house was either turned from an attic into what you have or remodeled in some significant way at some point prior to you owning it. And they had to network the smoke detectors in order to get that CO from the building inspector. That would be my Mm -hmm. guess. I don't know. That's and I say that based firmly on experience. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's always a always an interesting thing. So, yeah, what's this kitty smoke alarm? They oh, they call it the smart smoke alarm. Oh, okay, All right. Cool. Cool. Nice. I like it. Fun stuff. Yeah. This is the time of year when all these fun things happen. It's great. We're supposed to have a Pepcom in person in a couple of weeks, which I think I'm going to be able to make work to get there. It's it's, it's like conflicts oh. with like four other events that are happening. So, Ew. Okay. yeah, you know, I might have to, like, I think I have to go down the night before and just stay in New York so that I can go to this like podcast industry of, event remotely during the day and from a hotel room and then go to, you know, um, Pepcom because I wouldn't have time between that to get down to oh. New York. So yeah, it's oh, a bummer plan. That's sort of, I think it, I, I just got to decide if it's worth the hassle of going through all that um, to, mm-hmm. to do it. But um, so anyway, uh, folks, we are having uh, this will come out on Monday. So you'll probably already have seen that we're doing a second show this week because I assume are you available to do that second show on Monday? I hadn't asked you. Uh, the eight, the yeah. 18th after Apple's event. Cool. So we're doing it. There it is. You heard it here first. Uh, we will be doing a show after Apple's unleashed event. I, I, there's an interesting thing about this, John a, well, two interesting things. One is that it's on a Monday, which is, has never happened in a, in a while. hasn't happened in a long while, but I think it's cause Google's having an event on Tuesday, right? So they needed to kind of, you know, do their thing. Right. Uh, the other interesting part is that, I got invited on the press list for this one. Now that doesn't change anything for me. You, you know, we all watch the same stream. It's just the timing of when you get the things, the press list comes out first at like whatever, you know, uh, noon Eastern or one, uh, one Eastern. And then the, the other invites come out, you know, a few hours later when it makes it to Apple's main mailing list. I do not always get invited on the press list to events in person or remote. And so you can read into that with me if you like that, you know, so I'm on the sometimes press event list, uh, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I, years ago, I, I gave up on trying to chase, you know, how to be on the different lists and all that stuff. But it is interesting that this is the first one in hey, there was one or two last year that I was on the press list. But the ones this year, the, the WWDC one and the, the one before that, I wasn't on the press list. And so this tells me either that, you know, something happened internally and they reshuffled things and, and it's there's no speculation to be had. Or we could have fun and speculate that it means that this is definitely about the Mac and they wanted to make sure we were on the list. So I like going with the latter because I'm pretty sure it's going to be about the Mac and, you know, specifically about uh, M1, you know, the next generation of Apple Silicon in Hopefully a larger screen iMac and a larger screen MacBook Pro. That would be, and I, you know, I mean, I think obviously all the rumors are kind of pointing to that. So I'm excited about this one. You might have stuff to buy, John. Mm. Mm, I know it's good. 
speaking of stuff to buy, I would love to talk about our uh, three sponsors, if that works for you, my friend. Fantastic. All right. Hey, who doesn't love to live well, right? To be perfectly at ease in comfort and in style? We all do. And our sponsor, Hunter Douglas, can help you do just that with their innovative window shade designs with gorgeous fabrics and control systems that you can use like with your phone and stuff so that they can be scheduled to automatically adjust to their optimal position throughout the day. You know, the way their shades diffuse harsh sunlight to cast a beautiful glow across the room. Some of these pictures look amazing. I really want to check these things out. You know, the the idea of being able to enjoy the view outside the window while protecting your privacy inside. Right. They take care of that, too. And they also have superior insulation that the shades provide that keep you warmer in the winter, cooler in the summer and lower your utility bills. When you tap into Hunter Douglas's PowerView technology, your shades can be set to automatically reposition for the perfect balance of light, privacy, and insulation morning, noon, and night. I looked into this. It's, this is really cool stuff to be able to do that and just have it happen automatically. You know, you set your thermostat to do this stuff automatically at different times of day. Well, your shades are part of that, again, both for privacy, but but really for heating and cooling your home and, and managing that and making making things more efficient so you can live beautifully with Hunter Douglas, enjoying greater convenience, enhanced style and increased comfort in your home throughout the day. And do that by visiting HunterDouglas.com slash MGG today to take advantage of their season of style rebate savings event. That's HunterDouglas.com slash MGG for limited time savings. This offer expires December 6th of this year, 2021. So go check it out. Our thanks to Hunter Douglas for sponsoring this episode. Listen, it's crazy how fast the prices of just about everything are rising. Gas, groceries, clothes, you name it. And all the experts are saying is that it's going to get worse before it gets better. And, you know, it's nice. We always hear, look at all the ways that we can cut costs to save where we can. And our next sponsor, Gabby, is how we're going to do that with auto insurance. Auto insurance, the shopping for it, it sucks. You know, I get this. You get this. Well, good news. So does Gabby. That's why they do all the work for us. Things that would take days or weeks, Gabby does in minutes. Because Gabby, I went and checked this out. It's really cool the way they do this. It's super fast. Gabby uses your current policy to compare your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like Nationwide and Travelers and, you know, all those. And then they're the one true comparison platform with fast, verifiable quotes, not ballpark guesses, right? They're actually getting you quotes. And because Gabby uses your current coverage, they only show you policies that are the same or better than your current coverage. Many of them, of course, at a lower price. And Gabby is free to use. And listen, you're going to give them, you know, your personal information includes your email and your phone number. They never sell your info. They never sell your info. So there's no annoying spam or robocalls or whatever. So like like it's done with me, Gabby can help you find the right policy. People who switch to Gabby save on average 80 bucks a month versus their current policy. 80 bucks. It's not just the Mac Geek Gab family that loves Gabby. Gabby has been featured in TechCrunch, Forbes, and USA Today. Start saving on your auto insurance today. Go to Gabby.com slash MGG to start saving today. It's totally free. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash MGG. Gabby.com slash MGG. Our thanks to Gabby for sponsoring this episode. Much as we like to talk about a world where we don't have to experience time linearly, we do. 
It's how it works. And it seems as though time progresses. There's a little more fatigue at times, a little bit of lack of endurance that sometimes can't always be fixed with more and more caffeine, especially if you're someone like me, right? So our sponsor, Super Beats Heart Chews, are a new way to start your day. They're super tasty, and they give you the energy you need and are actually good for you. So no more afternoon coffees if you're into that, no more energy drinks, no more candy for that quick pick-me-up. Add two delicious plant-based Super Beats Heart Chews to your morning routine. I, like I said, I've done this. It's They are delicious, and they promote heart-healthy energy throughout your day without that caffeine crash. Very cool stuff, and you can do more for your heart and treat yourself with these Super Beats Heart Chews. Join over a million customers, get free shipping and returns, get a 90-day money-back guarantee, and right now, you can get a free 30-day supply with your first purchase at superbeats.com mgg go to superbeats.com slash mgg one last time superbeats.com slash mgg and our thanks to superbeats for sponsoring this episode all right john it's time to do some questions and tips and uh i think it's actually time to do some icloud stuff you want to take us to steve yes so um steve is going to give us a tip so you don't get caught okay <laughs> that's a good that's um, a good place to start so i like says, this guy yeah. Um, since I upgraded to iOS 15 on my iPhone, I realized that even if I was on Wi-Fi and my router was configured to use Cloudflare DNS, that my devices were able to access sites that should have been prohibited. When I investigated, I realized that the culprit is the iCloud private relay. If you if you let the default of settings for the DNS in your Wi-Fi settings as automatic, iOS will use the private relays default DNS servers. Uh, go there on your device to see the message on top. I have not yet investigated how to force things otherwise, but it may be good to know if you expect that behavior and see it act another way. Yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. I like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, huh. It makes perfect sense because the, the whole idea behind private relay is that what you do on your phone and your Mac when once we have it with Monterey is yours and no one, not even the people who administer your network should be able to see what's going on mm -hmm. or control what's going on. So that like it, it this perf this makes perfect sense. The problem, of course, is when you want that control. So. Uh, there are you could disable private relay on your devices to do that as a network administrator. You can also effectively disable private relay. And I, I don't have it in front of me, but there is a way to what you do is you block lookups to I think it was two Apple domains you you know you you set them on your network to to you know route to what you know null or something to to not look up and and as soon as you do that iCloud private relay would be like I can't work on this network do you want to go ahead and continue using this network without iCloud private relay or do you want to use try and use you know a different network which is a good you know that way the user's still aware but yeah you might um, you know, from a parental control standpoint, you might want to block iCloud private relay. So I'm going to, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't remember. Um, 
but I'm going to put it in the uh, in the show notes, and we'll put a link in there as to how to block iCloud Private Relay. But um, yeah, yeah, there's I think it's at developer. It's one of the articles at developer.apple.com. It's titled, I think I've got the right one. Prepare your network or web server for iCloud Private Relay. Uh, yeah, if you the fastest and most reliable way to tell users that you don't want that you want to block access to private relay is to return a negative answer from your network's DNS resolver, preventing DNS from resolving. And it's for two things. It's mask.icloud.com and mask-h2.icloud.com. So, yep. All right. So we do have the answer. I like it when we do that. It's good. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Makes sense though. Like that, that's, um, yeah, that's how, that's how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, Jim had a, do we have more on that one, John? Nope. Okay, cool. Jim had a question about private relay and, and really it can be boiled down to, uh, could you please explain how does Apple's private iCloud private relay work? How effective is it in hiding your ID and location as compared to a VPN and what other benefits, if any, does it provide? So I will link to my article that I put together right after WWDC when I dug into all this stuff. Uh, but iCloud private relay, you know, it's similar to a VPN in some ways. It's way more secure than a VPN, um, albeit with less granular control over how things are working. So it, it's different. A VPN, generally speaking, you connect to, you know, your device creates a secure tunnel to some computer that is a VPN server out there somewhere, right? And this computer could be owned by, you know, Nord or ExpressVPN or it could be owned by you, right? Your router or your, you know, if you have a disk station or something, it could act as your VPN server. So it creates a secure tunnel to that computer. And then that computer is the one that goes out. So if you were on a VPN and you visited, you know, www.macobserver.com, you would actually connect to the VPN server. The VPN server would connect to www.macobserver.com. And then it sits in the middle and passes this traffic back and forth. And Mac Observer only sees the requests coming from uh, the VPN, not from wherever you actually are. But the VPN server could know uh, or does know who you are or where you are, your IP. It knows some things about you, uh, and depending on how it's set up, it could know more or less. Uh, but it certainly knows some things about you in that moment. And it also knows what you're visiting in that moment. Uh, so there is the potential for a, you know, some sort of attack if that were compromised. Right. Uh, and lots of VPN providers go out of their way to make sure that they aren't logging any of that data. So there's no, there's no place to go get it after the fact, which is great. In fact, most VPN, most paid VPN providers do the free ones tend to gather that information so that they can sell it and make some money with Apple's private relay. There is a third, a second, uh, there is another device put in. I don't know if we call it a second or third device, but um, you connect to Apple. Your device connects to Apple. Apple's server connects to some other server. And then that other server is the thing that would, in this instance or in this example, connect to MacObserver.com. And Apple doesn't, your request is encrypted up to the server that's going to then go connect to Apple.com. So 
Apple doesn't to, to, to MacObserver.com. I'm sorry. So Apple passes that along, but in an encrypted way that they cannot see. So they know who you are, but they don't know where you're visiting. And then the server that's doing the visiting on your behalf knows where you're visiting, but doesn't know who or where you are. So there's this split of, of available information that truly makes it impossible to, uh, to do that. But it is still this secure tunnel, just like a VPN. And so, yes, in that sense, it acts like a VPN and it makes total sense with, you know, listener, Steve, what you just explained, John, where Steve was seeing DNS queries, you know, being resolved by a different DNS server. And it's like, yeah, of course, <laughs> you know, so, so hopefully that explains how iCloud private relay works and you can turn it off on a per network basis, uh, which is, you know, certainly a thing you may choose to do, um, you know, maybe on your home network or of course, as you know, if a corporate network blocks it and I've seen, I've seen some networks block it uh, already. I'm sure. Have you seen any, John? I think, I think the network at the university here blocks it. Um, hmm. So, you know, but I mean, it makes sense. Like they need to be able to control what's happening with their network. And you know, you, you are a guest on their network. If you don't like it, don't use it. It's really simple. So, um, yeah. So cool. Any more on that one, John? Nope. Okay. All right. Uh, who's next here? Is Everett next? Are we going to, uh, you want to read Everett or shall I play Everett? Oh, uh, yeah, he gave us the audio. Well, let's, let's use it. I'm with you. Hello, John, Dave, and hopefully pilot Pete. I just wanted to send you a quick note about the custom email domain option for iCloud plus. And my experiences with it. The issue that I'm currently running into is that I have previously organized my email by what email it was sent to. For an example, if it was sent to everett at mydomain.com, it would be placed neatly into my inbox. But if it was sent to amazon at mydomain.com, it would be sent to the Amazon box. And so on and so forth with many different retailers, as well as uses. So examples like ads at com would go directly to my spam folder. So you can probably imagine my dismay when I found out that iCloud Plus only allows for three aliases per user per domain, as well as a maximum of five domains, and no way to expand upon that. So unfortunately, iCloud Plus's custom domain support does not allow me to cancel my Microsoft 365 subscription. So thank you for allowing me to rant and have a great rest of the show. Yeah. Huh. Okay. I mean, I like, I, what did we say? The first little quick tip about the text sizing. There's things when Apple rolls it out, I want more And sometimes later we get the more. So this may become one of those things. It wouldn't surprise me. Right. Mm hmm. You know, so was there more to it than that, John? I thought I thought he had written more. Um, he said, uh, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." He added in the written part of it. He says, no, "They they also don't allow for a you know plus designation like Gmail, which is a quick tip we've done before. Where if you have you know a, a whatever Dave at Gmail dot com, which is not me, Dave Hamilton at Gmail dot com is me." But it is such a useless address because so many other people think they have it uh, that it's it's almost useless to me. 
I still keep it though, uh, with an autoresponder on it saying you didn't reach the Dave Hamilton you're looking for. Anyway, I digress. So Dave Hamilton at gmail.com does go to me essentially, uh, Dave Hamilton plus MacGeekCab at gmail.com also goes to me, right? So it's this on the fly and it could be Dave Hamilton plus blah, blah, blah at, at, at gmail.com also goes to me that like Gmail allows you to do that on the fly so that you can create essentially custom inbound addresses for yourself to do the kind of compartmentalization that, uh, that Everett was, was telling us about and iCloud uh, you know, custom domain, I call it plus custom email domains also don't allow that. So yeah, may I look at there? I mean, it's new, right? And what they're offering, John, I think is probably more than what, you know, let's say 90% of the people would need. I don't know, maybe less. If you're doing a custom domain, you like that, that sort of puts you into power user camp already. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Huh. I recommend everybody does custom domain, by the way, uh, so that when you change providers, you can just take your, you know, your email doesn't have to, um, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to mess with it. Your email is just you, not, you know, you at, mm-hmm. you know, your provider.com or you at your company.com because, you know, those two things can change. So unless you own the company. I guess, well, actually, I guess even that could change, right? If you were to sell a company or something. So anyway, yeah. Yep. Yep. So avoid headaches. Use a custom email domain that is like yours personally. That's my advice. And and iCloud is a great way to get started with that, right? iCloud Plus, because they do make it easy. Mm-hmm. But now you know the limitations. I don't know. Any, what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, No. No. <laughs> Do you, you don't, you don't use a custom domain for you. I mean, obviously you no. have your Mac observer and Mac geek address addresses, but you don't have a, like your own, like, no, no. Hmm. Hmm. And curious. I'm curious. How many of you out there, let us know feedback at Mac How many of you out there are, are using a custom domain for that reason? Not, I mean, obviously if you have your own business or, you know, you work for someone else, you know, you're going to almost certainly be using that, but I'm curious how many people out there are doing it. All right. Uh, one last thing on iOS 15 comes from listener Greg. He says um, there's a great new feature for recovery options in iOS 15. It's iCloud Data Recovery Service. Um, it's an interesting service, and it it's um, you can look it up at Apple.com. They have a support article about iCloud Data Recovery Service. iCloud secures your data in the cloud by storing it in an encrypted format. If you forget your password or device passcode, iCloud Data Recovery Service can help you decrypt your data so you can regain access. Um, they uh, And they talk about a few of the different ways that you can do this. And they talk about some things like keychain, health data, and a few others that use end-to-end encryption that is not able to be decrypted via the iCloud Data Recovery Service because only you can access that. However... They say to make sure that you can recover all of your data, you can also set up an account recovery contact or use a recovery key. Either of these methods will give you additional ways to recover your data, including that which is end-to-end encrypted. But of course, as we all know, if you lose the key, well, then you have a problem. So 
Uh, Greg asks, he says, I know I can store the recovery key in one password, but if I get locked out of my devices, then I may not be able to get at the recovery key. Also, I can store the key in a text document and make sure an encrypted sparse disk on the Mac, uh, and make an encrypted sparse disk on the Mac disk on the Mac and store it there. But the message shows, uh, the, uh, the message that it shows before enabling that gives me pause. It says, are you sure you want to create a recovery key? If you lose your recovery key and can't access your devices, Apple won't be able to help you regain access to your account or your data to your account or your data. Seems like from Greg, he says it's better to add a recovery contact instead. I'd be interested in your thoughts. Yeah. Um, As I was going through it, I, you know, I had that sort of thought of beware the recovery key, because once you enable that, it's the only way you can get your data back. And if you lose the key, you know, curtains, right? And so mm-hmm. it's the the trade-off, right, between convenience and security. Recovery contact seems better, but what happens if you lose access to them, you know, or you have a falling out with them, then what happens, <laughs> right? I mean, like, they, these are, these are, there is no one answer to these things. You, it's It's just one of those things. Like we often do here on the show, it's like, okay, eyes wide open, make the decision and know what you've made. I I think I'm pretty comfortable with recovery keys. I have a lot of things that require me to use recovery keys. And I do, I store them in one password. And then for some of them, I store them elsewhere and I will leave it at that to keep things obscure. Um, and I also store my one password password elsewhere so that I can get into that. Um, if, and, and so that my family, if something were to happen to me, could get into that. One thing I, that, that I've heard recommended is if you have a, like a one password shared family account is for everyone to store their one password password in a shared family vault obviously that requires trusting the family that you're sharing this with because they have access not just after something happens to you but also at any time they could un you know they could decrypt your your one password data but as long as you're okay with that it makes life way easier because you know you can if you need to get into someone's vault you can just get in as long as you're one of the the four so it's i mean obviously everybody's got to protect that data and and you need to have some trust there but if that works for you that's a super easy way to sort of do an end around on all of this, including Apple's recovery key. So I haven't set up a recovery key yet, John, but I probably will. Have you? No, no. All right. Okay. Will you? Mm, maybe, maybe. Well, I mean, what are you like? What are your thoughts on it? <clears throat> um, I haven't really looked into it. Well, I mean, we just talked about it. Like what, like after this, what, like where, what, 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 what leads you towards maybe or not maybe like what, what are the, what are the thoughts that are swimming? Mm. All right. Not many. Not yeah. <laughs> All right. What do you have thoughts on next? My friend, you want to, you want to, you want to. So in the last episode, we asked a question and many, many, many of you came to our rescue. Joel, Dan, Bill, Jeremy, Dale, Tim, Mike, and, as John is about to share, Stephen. Or Stefan. Eh, oh, it could be Stefan. Yeah, no, you, you might be right. Yeah, yeah, I don't, um, yeah, fair. And thank you, everyone. So, um, I just listened to episode 894 where listener Mark asked how to enter something in Excel that looks like a time. 
such as 12 colon 34 without having Excel automatically change the cell to a data time format or date time format. There's actually a way to tell Excel not to mess with what you enter into a cell. The way you do that is by starting the entry with a apostrophe or a single quote, I think, right? Yes, right. The single, the thing next to the return key on most Apple keyboards. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. The one next to the return key. So if you type in a single quote, one, two, colon, three, four, it tells Excel to store the contents exactly as you have entered them. I hope this helps. Yeah. And, you know, John, I tested this not only in Excel, but also in LibreOffice, which is the free Excel clone that I use on my Mac, the office clone really that I use on my Mac, which is fantastic by the way. I know we've talked about it on the show before, but I it like so great to be able to run Excel without, uh, you know, paying for Microsoft office. If you don't need to, uh, it works there. It works in numbers. It works in Google sheets, uh, you know, the, the web Google sheets thing. And it also works in Synology Drive, which has its like, you know, clone of that same sort of thing. So this is a universally, at least as far as I could tell from, you know, point of Dave's point of view. But I tried to go pretty wide with it and it it tested out exactly the same everywhere. If I put in, I tried it with 1444 because I wanted to see what it did to the time. And yeah, sure enough, if I just typed in 14 calling 44, it, it, you know, and I looked back at it, it was 244 p.m., but if I did apostrophe 14 colon 44, it just stayed as 1444, which is great. So I, I can't believe I lived this long without knowing that that Excel slash spreadsheet trick. So, yep, it's good. All right. What else do we have? We have we have time. This is good. Uh, you want to take us to Mark quick? I think was a. It's probably nothing that anybody will ever, that will ever help anyone, but it's super interesting. <laughs> well, you never know. You um, never know. Yeah. So Mark says, crazy as it sounds, disabling the screensaver on my 2020 MacBook Pro, big running Big Sur, fixed my built-in keyboard issue with extra spaces and accent characters mentioned in 894. <sighs> And he says he found this solution on the internet because other people had the same problem that that's the weird, like that's the most surprising part to me is that like, why is this an actual solution? It's crazy. It's a bug. Uh, yeah. Or a feature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm curious if everybody was, were you all using the same screensaver? Like what's the, why is this a thing? Mm-hmm. Like what? <laughs> I'm flabbergasted. Um, I don't get the connection between screensaver and keyboard input weirdness. Right. Like your screensaver is not running when you're typing on the keyboard almost by, and maybe that's it. Like, is it watching to know? Okay. So let's think about this. Your Mac is going to, if you have a screensaver enabled, it needs to know when you've stopped engaging with your Mac, right? in order to know when to turn on the screensaver. And so something about that must be monitoring keyboard input as well as, you know, mouse input. And um, those are the, would be the two main things. So maybe, okay. All right. This is less detached than I initially thought, but even still like, how is this a bug? 
I don't know. I guess you could say that a lot about, about a lot of books. Fun. All right. Um, let's go to Lauren, John. You're on a roll here, man. So keep on trucking if you don't mind. Ah, all right. So Lauren, uh, there we are. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right. Hi, John and Dave and possibly Pilot Pete. <laughs> um, uh, thanks for the podcast. Okay, you're welcome. Um, I'm always excited when it comes through my podcast app. Well, so are we. Um, I remember it means a while everything ago, worked. <laughs> I remember a while ago, y'all had talked about some OBD2 devices for your cars, and I was wondering if you could give me your recommendations on those. Thanks for always making sure that I learn new things every week. Um, so I have one, Dave, believe it or not, um, I still have the box. Um, I got an OBD2 scanner, um, from car MD, uh, and the label on the box says, um, yeah, come see us at Macworld Expo 2010. <laughs> I, you know what, John, I, I believe it when you tell me you still have that box. It's one of the mm-hmm. things I love about you. Huh. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it looks like they don't do consumer anymore. So, but I just wanted to mention that. Um, but then what's funny, Dave, um, somebody must be looking over my shoulder because I was flipping through Instagram and all of a sudden got um, an ad for, um, for an OBD2 scanner for free. Well, that sounds good. Well, I had to pay 99 cents for shipping. But All right. Okay. And they have various offers, but it's uh, FIXD.com. Okay. And apparently they've been doing this for a while. So I ordered it. Um, huh. Checked out the software. Um, but it seems like a good basic uh, OBD. OBD2 uh, is Onboard Diagnostics just if you're wondering what that stands for. Right, right. Um, so this is like a Bluetoothable little dongle that you plug into your car's ODB2 correct. port. OBD2 port, sorry. Uh, and then it, and then you have like an app on your phone or something that you use to... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Huh? So yeah, similar so to what one, Car MD did years and years ago. All right. Yeah, and so what it... it, it and it's kind of neat. So there's a, a serial number on the device itself. And when you run the app, it's like, yeah, show me the... Uh, you know, show me the the device and it then reads the uh, serial number and then you get a link Hmm. between the two. Um, So that was, that was kind of neat. So, so that's one that looks affordable. Um, I'm not sure exactly how you'd get the the free deal, but it looks like it it costs about 20 bucks. So it doesn't break the bank. Right, right, right. Um, then I got another ad, Dave. Okay. Everybody, everybody's looking over my shoulder, man. Uh, you need um, iCloud private relay, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, I don't mind. So, you know, every now and then you'll get a prompt. Sure. Uh, on iOS saying, hey, are you, are you okay with, with, uh, with me tracking you? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> John, that has nothing to do with this. We've had this conversation before, and I want to make sure people, I, I want to help you too, because I mm-hmm. want to make sure people aren't 
um, aren't misunderstanding this. Okay. The, the, when iOS asks you, like when you go in on your phone and go to settings, privacy, tracking, and you have the thing that says allow apps to request to track mm. what they are asking is for that app to be able to track your activity in other apps and websites. So like the things that show up on Instagram are because your IP address was used to do a search and then they just match that to your IP and, and off they go. Um, but, but this gets a whole lot creepier. Like, you know, it's not, this is, this is things that go well beyond the scope of that app. Right. So I, I would be very cautious about allowing things. I, I, the example that we used the last time that, that you brought this up was Redbox, where you said, well, I want Redbox to be able to track me so that it knows when I'm near a Redbox. That's not this. That's location tracking. And it's very different than allowing Redbox to see what you're doing when you're on Facebook or what you're doing when you're in your email app or right. Like th those that's the that's the, in my opinion, overreaching thing that Apple is very much helping us to to um, to protect against. So I, I just wanted to make sure people weren't misunderstanding what this is. I I have found no apps where turning on the tracking or turning off the tracking limits my experience in the app. Mm -hmm. uh, it You know, apps can have full functionality for their own realm without being able to see what I'm doing in other apps. I, I have it off for all of them. I have it set to ask me because I'm always curious which apps are going to ask to do it. And, you know, like an app like ParkWiz, why does ParkWiz need to track me in other apps? That's there's no benefit to me for that. Mm -hmm. There might be a benefit to someone for that, but it ain't me. So, yeah. Yeah. So just be aware. I'd, I'd like to make, because I know it's a confusing thing and I, I'd like to make sure people understand. So anyway, there you go. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, yeah. And then I did some more surfing, Dave, and then I found another one that does something that I had never heard of called car coding. Okay. Um, and the device, uh, so it's an OBD device, OBD2 reader, but it also lets you access uh, hidden features in your car. Oh. Uh, mycarly.com is the device. And, um, you know, all of a sudden I realized, so I, I've noticed um, around town Jeeps driving around and they have LEDs on the front. And the color wasn't yellow. It was like blue or red. And I'm like, how did they do that? I think this is how they do that. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, um, so yeah, so you, you can kind of hack your vehicle yeah. with, with this one. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, okay. All right. I like this. Huh. Take back control over your car. Look at that. Interesting. Okay, so you put in the brand of your car and then it starts to uh, you know, narrow down to what you can do and all that. Oh, this is fascinating. All right, this is great. I um I uh 
I'm going to put that over here so I, I save it and we don't we don't lose it. I it, it seems like this is there's something in the in the air because Chris Parker uh, posted on Facebook. He was an Apple engineer for a while. I don't know what he's doing right now. But anyway, he posted on Facebook asking what's the best, you know, OBD gadget for reading codes and, and he, you know, that sort of thing. And as you might imagine, you know, a former software engineer at Apple has some good geeky friends. And so there were lots of things suggested. I put these two in the thread, John, now so that uh, they are there. But um, there were three. One is the how much is that my Carly thing? Do you know that was that made clear? Uh, it, 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 uh, I'm looking at prices. Oh, you got to pick, you got to pick your car first and uh, see prices. Come on. Okay. So somewhere 80 bucks or so, somewhere between 80 and 130, d- depending on what features you get and want. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. So th- th- just a you know level set for everybody. Uh, one that was mentioned is called the blue driver, which is available on Amazon for 120 bucks. And, uh, and this is one that folks seem to like it. It lets you get more, you know, deeper, deeper than a lot of the sort of, uh, you know, more general scanners will do. Uh, there was also the autel a U T E L auto link AL three nineteen which does not use your phone. It is its own standalone plug it in. It has a, a little, you know, it's got a cable that goes from the, the, you know, the OBD two plug to this little unit. It's about the size of, uh, you know, like a voltmeter or something. And it kind of has that look to it too. And you can see and reset the codes and things like that, which can be super handy being able to reset those codes. If you have an engine fault can, I mean, you got to, hopefully know a little bit about what you're doing, but it can be the thing that sort of gets you back on the road, at least temporarily. Uh, and then one called scan gauge, which is a dashboard based OBD two uh, device that shows you all kinds of things in real time and sort of more permanently on your dash. So it's, you know, it's built for, uh, for installation in your car and uses OBD two as it's sort of path in and out. So, yeah, lots of these things. I'm not sure that one. I don't have a price on the Autel auto link. The, the sort of standalone one is like 30 bucks. So, um, so, you know, there you go. This one is one, it, the scan gauge ranges from 170 to 240, which makes sense. I mean, it's got its own little screen and, you know, it affixes permanently in your dash and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Yes. Fun. I love Sadly, thing. my vehicle does not have OBD2. Well, it sounds like it's time to get a new vehicle so that you can uh, test these things for the show, John. That sounds like a yes. tax write-off to me, man. <laughs> hey, you know, there you go. You check with your CPA, of course, uh, as I am not one. I prove that regularly. Yeah. Could be. But um, I, I could be. My a CPA, car but does have OBD, but uh, some call it OBD 1.5. Okay. Um, and I figured out how to activate it. Um, okay. So there, there's a data connector in my car. And if you short two pins in the connector, it all of a sudden starts flashing lights on the dashboard. Oh. Um, and if you have the, uh, magic, uh, decoding chart, you can tell what it means. Sure. <laughs> sure. Oh, that's good. Well, that's good. Um, cool. a, a pain versus OBD. I mean, you know, I, 
like to have OBD. So yeah, no, I, I guess I'll have to it's time. a new car. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's going to be the thing folks that pushes it over the edge. That's also the thing that pushes us over the edge. This episode is over. I mean, we'll say goodbye. We're not just going to, you know, ghost you. We'll be here next week. In fact, we'll be here on Monday again after Apple's Unleashed event. We will unleash an episode uh, with our thoughts and <laughs> reactions. So, yeah, be fun. Um, hope you'll join us. And you can at live.macgeekup.com. We, I put it in the schedule, I think, for 3 p.m. Apple's events. Apple's, it's 3 p.m. Eastern, sorry. Apple's event starts at 1 p.m. Eastern. We will be here shortly after the event ends. So it might be 3 p.m. if their event goes, you know, till whatever, 2.30, 2.45. But it might be earlier than that, too. So you get the, the hot, hot take from us. We try to be reasonable about it. We might not be, though. We might be totally gaga. We might have to, like, go order lots of computers and then <laughs> go do our thing. I missed that last time, right? I, I missed ordering my iPad. Thankfully, it's still arrived. Love that iPad mini. That's great. All right. You got anything else to say to him before we uh, shuffle off for this particular episode? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. Thanks for... You? Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, always, I like to say thank you. So thank you for listening. Thanks for sending in all your great stuff. I mean, this is what keeps this show going. We've been doing this 16 and a half years, and you started participating on episode three, simply because we didn't ask you in episode one. We did in episode two, and then, you know, episode three was where you, you, you shined, and you've been shining ever since. So, like, you really are the, the reason that the Mac Geek Cab community exists, because you are the Mac Geek Cab community. But you ask us all these great questions. Yes, we have to go and do some research and figure things out and, you know, cull through it all and make sure everything is, you know, good. But you help with that, too. It's fantastic. We love you for that. So thank you. Make sure to go check out our sponsors. Uh, of course, MacGeekUp.com slash sponsors. I just re-updated that page. So all the deals are current as of, uh, like, two days ago or something like that. So that's always a good thing. But, of course, the sponsors that were in this episode, HunterDouglas.com slash MGG. SuperBeat, B-E-E-T-S dot com slash MGG. And uh, Gabby, G-A-B-I dot com slash M-G-G. So go check all those out. Check out MacGeekUp.com slash sponsors. Thanks to all of our premium members. MacGeekUp.com slash premium. And, uh, yeah. Have a good one. Have fun. Enjoy your, your day, your week, your weekend, your evening, your morning, whatever it might be. And um, while you're doing that, John... You, you too. Um, really, this goes for all of us. Is uh, don't get caught. Made up.